Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Front of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnets. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Dirt Radio would like to acknowledge that we broadcast live from unceded Wurundjeri land of the Kulin Nation and pay our respects to elders past and present. Good morning, this is Dirt Radio on 3CR. Um, I'm Jack Miller and in the studio today we have Sam Castro. And today's episode we are talking with Jupiter McIntyre. Jupiter McIntyre has currently been in the Northern Territory looking into uranium in the drinking water, which is a pressing issue up there. Jupiter works with Anthony Amis, who is one of our is our resident scatologist, our expert scat man. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, they've got this report coming out. We'll patch Jupiter in and um, ask her a few questions. Jupiter, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me. No worries. Um, thanks for making some time on this uh, Tuesday morning to speak to us. I suppose we'll kick off with um, how widespread is this uranium contamination in NT water supplies? Yeah, so it's across quite a few communities in the Central Northern Territory, very small communities, and about 70 of them have been identified with different sorts of contaminants, um, and a lot of those being uranium. Yeah, I'm no expert, but I'd say that uranium's probably not a good thing to have in your water. No, definitely not. And it's a very interesting issue because we can't say for certain the effects it has, but it has been linked to different types of cancers as well as chronic kidney disease. So, Jupiter, how, how does the uranium get into the water? What did, what did you discover in this process? Yeah, well, it's actually mostly getting in there through natural methods. So just by leaching into the groundwater over years in the bores. However, because there's a lot of uranium mining in the Northern Territory, the risk is increased with the mines and uranium from them leaching into groundwater and sometimes being like leaked into it from the mines themselves into local creeks and waterways. Yeah, I mean, and I suppose up there it would be, it, it seems like an issue that maybe is silent a silent issue it's the first i've heard of it speaking to anthony um and i guess in an extension to that what communities are being affected why they're being affected and why don't we hear about it generally speaking down here yeah so a lot of the issue comes from that it is small remote indigenous communities of populations of less than a couple of hundred Mm. they don't have much political power and social power to get the news out there the top five we identified and that um, I discussed in the report are Laramba, Willora, Willara, Kings Canyon and Alcotri. Um, Laramba's a bit lucky. It got a lot of media attention from the ABC and The Guardian a few years ago and that pressure has led to the Northern Territory government starting up 
a water treatment plant to treat the uranium that will be open later this year. But a lot of the other communities have just been left in the wayside, I guess, because they don't get that media attention and no one hears about them. So what sort of contamination levels are we talking about? You're saying that some of it is um, natural, if you can call it that, leaching (laughs) from man-made bores. (laughs) Um, But also you're saying the uranium mining is, or or mining in general, is uh, resulting in uranium leaching. Can you give us an idea from what you uh, researched in your report, Jupiter, what... What are the levels? How does that compare to normal levels? What, yeah, what sort of danger level are we talking? Yeah, so um, the guideline level is set at 0.02 megalitres. And we've got communities, especially Laramba, um, consistently exceeding over two times that um, every year. And this is over a long period of time, Laramba, back as early as 2004. But we really don't know the full scope of the issue because they don't test for uranium every year in all of these communities. So there are years where we just don't have any data and we don't know what's going on. And is the reason reason that there's missing data because there's not sort of uniformed um, contaminants to be testing for across the region or... I mean, I I assume it's similar down here that they test for, you know, things that were around in the 1960s and probably not for things that have been developed over the last 10 years. But, yeah, is there a reason for that gap in data and inconsistency in testing? Yeah, well, there's no mandatory level to test for and it's not compulsory for them to test. So if they don't want to, they don't have to. And... Even the guidelines that set that minimum level, they're not enforceable. So when these communities are going over that, there's really no legal reason to like address it. Yeah, okay. And with the um, with I suppose the companies that are contributing to the uranium in this water level, is this just gross negligence? Is there a way that there's is there any preventative measure? Is it just a byproduct of what they're doing? They can't there's no possible way that they could prevent it. Yeah, so kind of a little bit of all three. There is some sort of um, negligence there in terms of not doing proper environmental maintenance and there is the byproduct again, like there is going to be a byproduct from this mining, but really they shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Um, These are mines that are operating with very little social license and kind of no consent from the traditional owners on these lands. What what sort of mining? Is, is it mainly uranium mining or are we talking about other processes that are disturbing your natural, you know, occurring uranium in the area? Yes, yeah, so it's mainly the uranium mining um, because when they're disturbing the uranium formations, that is leaching into the groundwater through the mill trails and... Through, like, the water byproducts, if they're not careful with where they're going, like I said, they end up in water streams and creeks and can soak into the groundwater. Mm. And the regulation around um, contaminants in the water, is it as loose on other contaminants, uh, Jupiter, or did you just look specifically for data around uranium? Yeah, so I just look specifically at uranium. However, because it's not a legally binding 
guideline, um, anything can slip through the cracks, really. Mm. Is this um, the legislation? Is that run by um, NT? Is that the territory, or is that um, is it government that enforces this for uranium? Um, yeah. So the Northern Territory appoint the water company, which is Power and Water in the Northern Territory, and they're mm. responsible for it. So kind of, it's a semi-private company. Oh, mm, a public-private okay. public partnership, private. Mm. a hybrid. <laughs> they mm. always go down well when it <laughs> yeah, comes to <laughs> looking after people. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be like once once it becomes a hybrid, no one is responsible for anything bad that ever happens. Yeah. So Jupiter, tell us more about your report uh, and and what were the uh, possible pathways or potential conclusions that you you reached uh, through the process of this report? Yeah, so um, the report covers the background of what is happening in the Northern Territory as well as how it affects human health and what the water regulation is like and the steps forward. So what we're seeing in the Rampa is good with the opening of their treatment plant later this year. But really what we need to see is more of these pilot programs across these communities that are being left out. Um, And we need to see this coming from the communities themselves as well as these are mainly Indigenous communities. We need to see Indigenous community groups involved in this decision-making so the right decisions can be made. How how are they selling it being... I, I mean, I'm sure that this is where the minds are, but... There's got to be a spiel selling the fact that, you know, it's in coal, it's like, yeah, this is toxic, but we have jobs. Do they do any support for the Indigenous communities or do they just poison them? (laughs) Very direct. (laughs) Just as a, I mean, maybe expand on that. Allegedly. uh, Allegedly poison them. them. Yeah, sorry. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, to expand on that, do you, you know, is there, do they provide any support? Um, socially or um, in a health setting? Um, Yes and no. Because there is higher levels of chronic kidney disease, either due to the um, predisposition of Indigenous communities in kidney disease or because of the uranium, there are some health services that travel around to provide support. But as far as social support, they haven't received much. Um, Naramba is kind of the outlier in receiving attention and support because they fought so hard for it in court and lost that they gained the social support. Mm. But these other communities are being really left behind. No one talks about them. They're not heard about in the media or even in the Northern Territory that much. So they are really being left behind by the government. And I think Jack was getting at uh, the corporations... um I don't want to say greenwashing, uranium, yeah. uranium, uranium washing. washing, like neon green, bright <laughs> yellow, I don't know. yellow cake washing. <laughs> uh, are, are they presenting themselves as, you know, there's a long tradition of mining companies moving into an area saying that they're providing the locals with facilities and social community um, services. Are the entities that are doing the mining are actually trying to, yeah, yellow cake wash, let's call it, Uh, what they're up to there. Are they saying that they're investing in the communities? Is this perhaps why it's an issue that doesn't get any attention? 
them, not really, they kind of, for the most part, ignore the communities. So because not all mm. of the communities are affected by the mines, because they're so widespread, the ones that are, the mines just kind of ignore them and go about their own business, really. Mm. Mm. Yes, well, that sounds like... Uh a, a very uh, convenient way for a mining company to pretend there isn't a problem by just pretending there isn't, isn't a problem. A problem. Yeah. yeah. Very, very um, scary and also happening, I'm sure, with lots of other communities uh, around different types of mining. Uh, for example, you know, there's been a lot of um, talk lately around rare earths and yeah. impacts, and we can see that in uh, Asia-Pacific countries and gold mining, things like that. Each type of mining seems to have a very poisonous substance and also drilling, fracking, etc. Hmm. Uh, so what is the intention of your report, Jupiter? Where is What are you going to do with this information? And if people want to uh, find out more about it, is this going to go to the Northern Territory government, to the water authorities? Uh, yeah, what, what's, what was the purpose of the report, I guess? Yeah, well, I think one of the main purposes is to get the information out there and raise the awareness within the general community because as we saw in Laramba, that really helped to pressure the government to do something. So we're hoping to get it out there and for people to read it and to share it and to get the information out there and to put the pressure on the Northern Territory government to do more than what they're doing. Mm. And with, I suppose, as a final... Um kind of what what can they do what can people do to get involved and what can people do to follow your report and how you well what you do with it from um the release when is the release by the way has it, has it been um soon it should be this week sorry i don't have an exact date right now yeah that's okay we can put it in yeah so how can people get involved and uh follow you on your journey holding these uranium miners to account yeah so Again, step one is definitely just to know what's going on so you can um, get that knowledge out there and to find ways that you can support the communities. Do a little bit of your own research and reach out. If you're feeling very enraged, contacting the Northern Territory government and asking them what they're planning to do to kind of put that pressure on more personally. All good. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jupiter, for joining us and thank you also for taking the time to do the research and discover uh, that there is a clear trend of, yeah, not taking care of business either from the government or the mining companies. Uh, this legacy work extends across the entire mining industry and the fossil fuel industry, so it's wonderful to see that someone is taking the time to research the impact on water supplies. Thank you, Jupiter. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Thank we you. hope to see you soon and we will let listeners know when the report is up on our website uh, and ready to be downloaded. Absolutely. We are going to stop and have a quick break, some CSAs, and grab a drink. See oh, you really? after, mm. maybe. <laughs> Across Australia and around the world, we've seen reactionary right-wing mobilisations around anti-vaccine, anti-lockdown and anti-public health demands. In response to this, the campaign against racism and fascism have launched the campaign Pro-Vax, Pro-Union, Anti-Fascist to combat the far right and to fight for public health, safety and social solidarity. 
Go to www.calf.melbourne to join the fight for the safety of workers in the community and against the far right. A 3CR supporter. have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home well drop them in at 3CR and put them in the books and boots bin books and boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional first nations communities and children across the country contact us at books and boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au we love a good book You're listening to Dirt Radio on 3CR with Jack and Sam. Sam? Jack? Bring the noise. You bring the noise. Bring the noise. We're bringing the noise together. Uh, So on the 5th of November, uh, Friends of the Earth Melbourne is having a day of street actions, protests, uh, media stunts. It's partly a fundraiser, a peer-to-peer fundraiser uh, for our community and to keep our little faux Melbourne chugging along. And it's also part getting back out on the streets and drawing attention to the climate vandals and blockers and, uh, yeah, looking at all the intersects uh, and how that stuff connects and who those people are around the city. So if you are out there and you are part of Friends of the Earth Melbourne and would like to get involved in Bring the Noise, uh, even if you're a supporter or a member, you can sign up at bringthenoise.raisley.com or you can go to Friends of the Earth Melbourne's Facebook page or website and find some links and you can join up as an individual and then you'll be put into a team on the day or... Like us, you can simply join a team that you already support the work of. And by team, we mean collective of Friends of the Earth Melbourne. So uh, yeah. Jack and I are both competing with Cranky the Koala in the Skak Collective. Tactical move. Tactical Tac- very move. tactical mm. move. Something about Cranky. Something about a large animal costume that, yeah. you know, makes it easy to draw attention. <laughs> uh, I do believe Swoopy the Glider has joined the Forest Collective team. Been found. Been found. Came back from Port Macquarie. Thank you, Northern Forest Alliance, for sending Swoopy back down to do some actions. Uh, so I do believe Swoopy is joining the forest team. There's also a no more gas team, uh, and I believe they've been secretly recruiting. So we need more people to join our team. So if you're out there and a supporter of Friends of the Earth's work and you want to get involved, stretch our arms and legs and get back on the street and find all those climate vandals around the city and their uh, intersecting corporate – I can't use this swear word – um, <laughs> I just remembered I'm not on a podcast. I'm on 3CR. Yes. Uh, yeah. But if you would like to join in the fun, it really will be a great day of action. We're going to have like a snack and a prop station. All you need to do is really show up on the day. There is a list of actions that you can choose from. You can choose 5, 10, 15, 25, or you can be like Cranky Jack and I and go for bonus 
off the list actions for yeah. bonus points. And uh, don't let anyone uh, ever tell you that uh, organisers and activists aren't competitive. I think there will be a lot of competition on the day. Yeah, sounds like there's heaps of competition already. Absolutely. It's, it's already building. The competitive spirit is is Cranky is leading it. Cranky's just like wants to get out there and do it. Uh, we also have a giant earth ball prop that you might see wandering around the city that day. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can join that crew, which... Uh, I think the Earth Ball is going to travel between us, but, you know, there's lots of great actions. You'll learn a lot about who's in the city and hopefully we'll have a lot of fun. And the idea is to get your friends and family to sponsor you uh, so that we can raise a bit of money for Friends of the Earth campaign collectives. All the money will go towards our campaign work and the collectives that are... Doing the actions on the day. Yeah, so. that you diligently listen to every week, I'm sure, the regular listeners. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, and they need the support. You know, yeah, definitely. Everyone and- we've uh, been having on this uh, little old radio show for such a small um, amount of time on a half an hour show. But if you've been listening over the years, all of those campaigners and activists, yeah, they're all going to be involved. And we want a huge crew so that it'll be heaps of fun. And I don't want... Jack, I don't want to be the only one sabotaging other groups by myself. Yeah, I know. You know, I know Cranky safety said Cranky said they would help, yeah. but there is safety in numbers. Yeah, definitely. You know, if you're going to muck up on the action day, <laughs> you need to have a backup crew. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, bit of so, support. Yeah, so come join the naughty people um, or you can join the wholesome, sustainable cities or forest crew. Um, I'm really looking forward to it and going to be making some props and things to help people out with during this week. Absolutely. A bit of community as well. It'd be fun having to Yeah, absolutely. They, the reason we're doing it is, you know, the, the lockdown really impacted uh, Melbourne um, severely. Uh, it's time for us to, yeah, be together in real life and, and remember that uh, protest is not illegal yet. Um, we need to push back. We need to be visible. Uh, there's a, there are floods happening right now across our region. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we've had the fires, we've had more floods, more floods. This is not going to stop until we get serious climate action and a climate justice frame. And that means revealing how all of these corporate structures and, uh, government authorities work together and, and how we need to bring them to a point of urgent change. It's been a lot of great announcements coming out of Victoria, um, but there is still a commitment to gas. Absolutely no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that must stop if you're out there and you're involved in politics. Make it stop. Uh, and secondly, of course, the idea that we can stop logging uh, in another decade or another eight years is just ridiculous. Like yeah. We have lost so much. All forest is precious. It's There was an article that I think came out on the weekend uh, that was talking about the fact that you know the 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 carbon sinks and the and and the process of reducing emissions requires us to hold our forests especially our complex ecosystems intact yeah. so you know logging should have stopped many many years ago and we really need to um address this urgently so yeah all those things are going to be at the forefront of our minds as we Play and rage around the city yeah. on uh, the 5th of November, which is a Saturday. Uh, so hopefully some of you, uh, you know, don't work on a Saturday or have the capacity to take the day off and come. 
I know that won't be everyone. You can do some of the actions online, so don't think you can't sign up if you can't be there in person. And also you can do us a really huge favour and share it and amplify all the amazing cute hashtags and photos, uh, hashtag bring the noise, uh, you will see us all on the streets on that Saturday. So, yeah, that is bring the noise. It is, um, and it's exciting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I just got back from uh, actually being at the Friends of the Earth Australia, which Friends of the Earth Melbourne is a member of, of course, and the Secretariat of Friends of the Earth Australia is in the Fur Melbourne building, so we're one big happy community on that level. Um, but we just had our first face-to-face uh, national meeting since the pandemic as well over the weekend. Uh, got back last night. And honestly, you know, a whole heap of the build-up to going to Common Ground, if you've never been there, really beautiful place just out of Seymour yep. in Hildeen. Um, yeah, like here we are as a bunch of environmental and climate justice activists having to work out whether – we can get through the roads, whether the town is still flooded, you know, how are we going to get there? And then, of course, being there and nearly getting uh, cut off and flooded in on the second night because it just rained and rained and rained so much. Uh, so, yeah, the the whole impact of climate change is here. It's real. Yeah. It's not, you know, I, I think 10 years ago it was easy for climate deniers to present it as this thing happening over there in far off, yeah. you know, global south countries. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's impossible for anyone to ignore. And on the way uh, back home and driving in here today, I was listening to people in Moama and Echuca talking about how they've built this temporary levee. Yeah. But now they're pushing water that's going over the temporary lev- levee back to the side of the town on the other side of the levee. Yeah. So, like, neighbours are flooding neighbours with yeah. their pumps and stuff. It's just... Yeah, I know. We, we mentioned last week about Flemington Racecourse, which is, like, fresh in my mind, just especially... Oh, yes. Up. Yeah, the, the, the nup to the cup. Yeah. It yeah. is coming up first Tuesday and the next and, Tuesday. Yeah, and, um, yeah, so it's uh, it's funny when you see that in, like, communities having to protect one and it's they're trying to protect them i don't know it's 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 heartbreaking to see because mm. how can you tell anyone not to look after yourself like these events are really not connected to people on the ground most of the time yeah. you know they, they're yeah. not they're not perpetrating these things yeah and then you know it's it's since i've been in this country which is about five years mm-hmm. it is getting more severe all the time you know i've, I've yeah. seen the the fires and stuff like that and these are meant to be things that happen every decade and every year every hundred years yeah and every year it's a new oh this this is another way that the weather can potentially ruin my life in this country as a byproduct of climate (laughs) inaction which is yeah yeah i mean you just need to yeah like they said the first flood um the other year was last year was what one in a hundred years and then two months later it happened again yeah it's just lismore just had another call for evacuations because yeah. the levee might go over nine meters nine meters of water is a scary thought yeah. thinking of just how much bass that is you know well I'm that's where the person. murray's at in yeah. echuca it's over nine point something meters yeah i was speaking to someone who's driven down through um forbes from new south wales and they've lived between the two places for decades you know mm-hmm. 30 or 40 years and they're going past rivers and they say they've never seen more than just a little sprinkle of water and the river levels up to the bridge you know and it's quite 
I think when things like that, those stories, although anecdotal, yeah, they are they're they're sort of things that show show you how pressing or at least when people who have lived somewhere for 40 years say mm. this is unusual, yep. then it's probably unusual. You yep. know, you can't really package that up as anything else. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the end result of having um, 10 years of a neoliberal conservative um, rule in this country has done nothing but stoke conspiracy theories, climate denialism. Yeah. You know, that like such a wasted decade where mitigation and adaptation strategies could have been put in place. Yeah, and could have been very, very beneficial to whoever at Absolutely. So, you know, the no one is no one who has been paying attention is surprised. And I think in a way that makes it even more devastating. Um, for particularly the environmental community who, you know, have been working since the 50s and 60s yeah. to preserve and protect. Doing the Sisyphus thing of the rock up yeah, the hill. Yeah, just pushing the rock up the hill, pushing the rock yeah. up the hill, you know, and now the rock is being, like, completely destroyed by all the rain. Gaining weight, yeah, yeah. You know, it's broken into two rocks yeah, from now the we're erosion. Trying to, <laughs> <laughs> this metaphor is really awful yeah, and depressing. <laughs> all right, let's not end the show on such no. a depressing note. Uh, as always, community comes to the forefront. We are adaptable, we are resilient, uh, and we keep supporting. I know that Friends of the Earth Australia talked at their national meeting about uh, mutual aid and rapid response being uh, a major part of our uh, process going forward yeah. into community. Uh, so please do jump online and find any of the support groups you can to help people in flood-affected zones. For sure. Thanks, We're out of Sam. Time. We are well out of time. Up Bring next, the noise. Yes, get involved. And yeah. up next is Gavin Moore and Billabong Beats taking you through to 12. We've been Jack and Sam, Dirt Radio. Speak to you next week.